Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify. You heard us. You're hearing me say these words. That means you found us. That means you should give us five stars. Subscribe, rate, review, the whole nine. Thank you so much for the support. As always, joining me. It's still football season, of course. We got to talk about the NFL, the NFL playoffs. My guy, Patty Boyle. What's up, brother? Patty, what's up, dude? One weekend down. Hopefully the playoff games are a lot more entertaining going forward because that was some bad, bad, dominant one-sided football we saw the entire weekend. Mm, man, I uh, I got to be honest. I'm not one to normally give up on a playoff game. Not that I gave up. It was on. But I was up in the mountains with some friends this weekend, and uh, we made a firm decision rather quickly to fire up Settlers of Catan instead of watching like closely to the Pats Bills game. Man, and, and boy did we make the right decision because there was way more competitiveness in our game of Catan than there was in Buffalo on Saturday night. That was ugly. Ugly, Pat. Ugly. Now, now this might be a bad question. What the hell is Catan? You never heard of the settlers of Catan? Never. No. Not now. Not never. Not now, not never. Uh, I never so said that. <laughs> I love that's one of my favorite lines. Settlers of Catan is a beautiful, beautiful game where basically think about risk. All right. You ever play risk before? Mm-hmm. Okay. So instead of a bunch of little army men that you get on your little states and your countries and whatnot, you instead have different uh, hexagons that represent different resources, uh, i.e. wheat, brick, logs, uh, sheep, Right. And these resources help you build houses and roads and settlements and you get cards that are worth playing stuff. And basically you have to build up your settlement and your roads and your whatnot to get enough points to win. But there's trades that are constantly going on with your cards, your resource cards, and you also get to set up where your houses are. That's the resources that you're most likely to get when you roll the dice. I don't know if this is making any sense or if you can't picture it, but basically there's a lot of trading. There's a lot of collusion that is allowed in this game because you can make a deal with somebody and then turn your back and stab them real quick. You know, so there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of discourse. There's actually, it's a game that you would greatly enjoy, Pat, because I know you have a competitive edge and you love some good discourse. Obviously we're on this podcast. We could talk for nine hours in a row and hardly uh, <laughs> run out of topics. Right. So no, it's, you're it's damn straight. That's a game. Does that make any sense though? I can't tell. It, it does, but it, it also sounds like it's very complex for a board for a game that you probably play while drinking. And like, I'm sure. trying to picture like how big is like the game board slash map. Uh, it's pretty big. I got the extender pack. You know, it is what it is. That's <laughs> on everybody over here, but I got the extender pack. <laughs> basically, um, basically, it's probably the size of. Let's see. It's probably the size of a risk board, honestly. You know, it's it's hexagonal, 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 and uh, it's it's not huge, but it's definitely relatively big. You can't play it on a small table because you need some space. See, now you're 
you're far more of an intellect than I am, Pete. Because usually, if I'm going like if I'm like on a skiing trip or if I'm in the mountains, I'm playing college hockey. I'm just got beer bottles, quarters, and those things are flying all over the place, and people are chugging. Let them fly. All intellect goes out the door. It's just drink and ski. Yeah, I hear that. And you know what? We I, we were drinking earlier. We hit the brewery early, so it was oh, what a beautiful schedule. Now I'm gonna go down a rabbit hole here. I, I said to my buddy, I was, and you know, he it's his house. He's like a pro up there. And I've been up there quite a bit. So I'm like, hey, we're going to get out to the mountain incredibly early. Earlier, we're going to get the first chair. And we we did that. We actually accomplished that goal, which is shocking. We got there before 8.30, get on the first chair, 8.30. It was freezing cold. Negative 20 feels like temperature <laughs> at Hunter Mountain this past weekend, Pat. It was rough around the edges, I'll tell Jeez. you that much. But I was like, it's going to be stupid cold. So we're going to ride nonstop. We're not going to stop for lunch or nothing like that. We're going to ride for as long as we can. We'll go until, you know, 12, 1230-ish. We'll be home by 1. We're going to go to the brewery, have a great lunch. We're going to eat some food there, have some beers. We're going to get back at 430. And at the very end of the day, he's like, let's do one more run. I was like, all right, that's going to throw six minutes off to our schedule, just like joking around. And boy, <laughs> when I tell you that we got home at 436, we got home at exactly 436. It was beautiful, tuned up football, and had ourselves an evening. That's talk about some clock management. If only you were in charge of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> there we go, baby. And it begins. And it begins. Shikashiza. I wish I had that clock management in my day-to-day life. <laughs> I need it bad. <laughs> I need it real bad. But anyways, the hot toddies flew on on Saturday night. That's a great uh sidecar to Catan. You have a little hot toddy, a little tea with the whiskey in there. Boom, bang, boom. Uh they needed some hot toddies in Buffalo for the ride home for the Patriots because it was painful. Now we, we need to get into some sports. Well, they, well, they had plenty of hottie toddies because you had fucking Dawson Knox from uh, <laughs> Ole Miss. Yeah. yeah, That's Ole Miss, right? Uh, yeah, he went to Ole Miss. I don't know what the heck you're talking about with the hottie toddy. That's hottie toddy. Is it? Yeah, that's like they're saying. Wow, I love that. Look at this full yeah. circle. It they is hottie toddy, Ole Miss. That's like just like they're, you know, like uh, gig them for like A&M. Yes. Ole Miss hottie toddy. I love that. They're my new favorite school. New, new favorite program, Ole Miss. Shout out. You have some hot toddies and say hot to- hotty toddy. Hotty toddy with hot toddies. There we go. I'm, I'm going to say it now next time I have one, which will be maybe in an hour. Anyways, talk, about, but, talk about a rabbit hole. Yeah, off the rails to start. You know, you know, we didn't actually say it, but before we record, we typically say, yeah, we're going to keep this one pretty tight. It'll probably be short. We'll keep it <laughs> we actually every, every time, hour and a half later. We didn't say it tonight, but we're off to a hot start. We're off to a hottie toddy start. Seven minutes in already. Whatever. We haven't even t- talked about anything other than Mike McCarthy's clock management and hot toddies and board games. But before we get into football, we do have to talk about one thing. And that's our friends over at DraftKings. Hopefully our friends in New York are enjoying it the way you and I have, Pat, as New Jerseyites for quite some time. But we are on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. I'm terrible at math. That's incredible odds. You know that. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get it in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings. Daily fantasy football contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. 
Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPM for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And a gambling problem we did not have this week, Pat. I went 3-3. Three and three. Very, very average, but you are on a little bit of a streak here, on a little bit of a heater, a couple winning weeks in a row, three and one in the wild card round, Pat. How'd that one feel? Back-to-back big winning weeks. Yeah, it felt good. It felt good, man. I mean, again, to, to have as much trouble as I did early on in the season, which is like, you know, one week again, it was mostly the teasers. I was getting the spread right and the total wrong. Then I get the spread wrong and the total right, and I was shooting myself in the foot. But it feels good, you know. I'm not second guessing anything. I'm just kind of going off of you know, 18 weeks now, 19 weeks of having watched almost every single football game in red zone every week and every single primetime game, and just kind of going off of what I know, but based off what my eyes have seen. So, you know, again, I, I I thought Dallas. That's the one thing that we, you know, we'll get into obviously as this episode goes forward. That's the one pick I lost, and I just thought, even though San Francisco is so hot, and I even said to um, I even said producing Sal one night on the fan. I said, dude, it feels like either the Colts or the or the Niners are going to be a team that gets to the Super Bowl. Colts didn't even make the playoffs. We saw that. But now the Niners, they have a shot, dude, to be that dark horse, to be that wild card team that just makes an un- unbelievable run. And I uh, I knew how well they were playing. I just thought Dallas would step up, and I, that was a pathetic showing from them. I was right there with you, and I'll just say it. Maybe for both of us, but definitely for me. Ah! myself man it's one of those things where i heard all the reasoning for why the 49ers were a great underdog play and then it was the it was, i did the bad thing where you think you just hear too much about the 49ers and you have to go the other way it's a little bit of a you know reverse psychology situation maybe it's a little bit of a going against the the big narrative that you hear the most you want to be sharp. You want to you want to feel like you're being sharp because it was like one of the most publicly bet underdog plays, and I said that in my pick right. video, a hundred percent. And it's one of those things where you kind of kick yourself, like you know why you did it. It makes sense, but you went against your own brain as well. Like I didn't think the Cowboys had a better matchup than the Niners did. I thought to myself, it can't be that simple. Everybody out there is saying the Niners are the team, so you zag. Sometimes you zig, then you zag, and then you zag again. And it bites you in the ass. So I hated myself for that one a little bit. That was one of my L's. Sunday was tough for me, man. I went 2-0 and on Saturday, and I won with the Rams on Monday night. But Sunday, the Eagles. I hate myself. One more time for the people in Philly. I hate myself. One more time for the people who said Jalen Hurts is the guy. I hate myself. <laughs> one more time for the people who said they're going to sprinkle the money line. I hate myself. And one time <laughs> for the people who at least, uh, you know, had a good time watching football on Sunday. Because that's what we do. We watch football on Sunday, even if it's ugly. We had some ugly ones, and uh, that one was pretty, pretty rough. So, Pat, let's start off. We're going to obviously talk about the divisional round and all the stuff that's coming up with the big four games. Titans get into play here. Packers get into play, and those matchups we have coming up. Let's do a quick little recap slash good riddance, goodbyes to some of the teams we saw in the wildcard round lose it. And a good place to start is with those Eagles and with those Steelers. So I've heard the narrative. I heard the questions about the 17 playoff and if it's right, right? And my question to you is, is there a problem with the 17 playoff? 
or is there just a problem with the two teams that happen to make the seventh spot this this year? I don't know if there's a worthwhile replacement in the NFC, but we all know a worthwhile replacement in the AFC. So what's your take on this? Is it okay in your eyes? Do you like the seven teams or do you think there's some negatives to it? Yeah, no, I think you're you're right when you said, is it just the teams that happen to be the wrong teams? I, I think seven teams, look, the NFL ain't going to stop, right? They're not going to go back to six. They know that this weekend, as corny as it sounded, super wild card weekend, they made a ton of money. They made millions of hundreds of millions of dollars. They're not going back to six teams. As much as we beg and as much as we complain about these games being bad, the NFL is going to roll the dice. They're going to stick to the seven teams. Hell, they might even go to eight in the next in the next 10 years. That wouldn't stun me. Uh, where you see half the league then getting in uh, to the NFL playoffs. Um, but no, it's just a bit. It, the, wrong, the wrong teams got in. Pittsburgh, I said it was a miracle that Tomlin got them into the playoffs. They had no business being there. I mean, you didn't need to read any stats or go to any analytics to try to force yourself to believe that Big Ben was anything other than an old dinosaur at this point. Right, guys, a Hall of Famer um, on the field. Obviously, we've had, we've seen plenty of jokes at his expense for everything he did off the field here over the last couple of weeks, um, and, and, and rightly so. But um, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame football player. But look, he, he's he was terrible for the last two three years. Like you just saw him steadily, quickly decline, rapidly decline before our very eyes. Can't throw a football. I mean, there's times he's dropping back, and it's you know we say this at times, and we don't really mean it. Pete, I honestly think there's a lot of guys out there that never played professional football that could throw a football as well as big Ben Roethlisberger at this point. I, I mean, like he can't throw a football anymore. So they had no business being and, – and the only reason they were there is because of how elite their defense was, which is why I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, if Aaron Rodgers does leave Green Bay and if Pittsburgh – if he wants to go to Pittsburgh, they could be in the Super Bowl next year just off of Aaron Rodgers being under center instead of Roethlisberger. That's how good their defense is. But their offense obviously was nowhere near good enough to compete with Kansas City. So, no, they shouldn't have been there. Obviously, as a Browns fan, I'm going to be a little biased and say my Brownies should have been in there. They didn't deserve it, though, because they had their chances, even with all the injuries, even with Baker uh, having a torn Laborman his non-throwing shoulder. Um, you know, And Indianapolis should have been in there as well, but they they right. killed themselves. They shot themselves in the foot, losing it to, to Jacksonville. So you had teams that were worthy of being there. They just didn't get it done. So no, for me, the seven teams is not an issue because, again, I think if if the Colts beat Jacksonville and um, you know we all of a sudden don't look at them as giant losers, they're like I said, they were just like the Niners to me. They were a team that could maybe make a, a, a dark horse run to the Super Bowl. And then in the NFC, the Eagles, again, the wrong team. And I'll use another team that, um, again, I know we say what if with injuries. If the New Orleans Saints, even if they had Jameis Winston healthy, as bad as he is, they would have made the playoffs, and their defense is scary good where we saw them beat Tampa Bay 9-0 with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill playing quarterback. That's another team where I would love to see Russell Wilson get traded to New Orleans because I think they're a Super Bowl contender with just one different piece, and that is under center. So that goes to show you everything. The quarterback is obviously still the most important position in all the sports, and you had two teams with bad quarterbacks um, and no offense didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. I'm going to give you a ding there because I agree with pretty much every single thing you said. The one ad, even the Ravens with a backup quarterback are a better competition, I think, for the Chiefs than the Steelers were. 
not that they you know really deserved it because they lost to the Steelers obviously in the last week of the season so it is what it is but the Chargers obvious one as well and the Colts you can you can make the argument like oh they actually aren't worthy because they lost those games I don't care they would have been a much closer spread in against uh, any of the top tier teams and they would have had a real chance of going around even though they blew it in the final two weeks of the season so I agree with you across the board look at all those teams that coulda shoulda woulda been in a better situation had they made the playoffs. So there's no way they're going back and there's no way they should go back. And it makes the one seed a little bit more worthwhile uh, to fight for rather than, Oh, we're not the one seed, but we're going to be the two seed. We're still going to buy. Oh, well, so I do kind of like that aspect as well, because you really have teams competing all the way through the end of the year. Uh, the chiefs, they kind of ran away with it against the Broncos. They knew there was unlikely for them to get that one seed, but it made the chiefs take week 18 seriously. And that was a great thing to get. Uh, is just another little icing on the cake. Agree with you across the board. So now let's talk about one last team that obviously did deserve to be there. And that's uh, that was alluded to back in the Catan days uh, earlier on in this episode. The Patriots got shellacked, Pat. It was ugly. I don't, we don't even need to go through what happened with the Eagles is bad. You know, we could have a Jalen Hurts conversation. That's for another day. We, we just mentioned the Aaron Rodgers thing to Pittsburgh. That's fun. We'll talk about that another day. The Patriots, however, are in a situation where about six, seven weeks ago, they were looked at as a true Super Bowl contender. They were looked at as a team that should and was big betting favorites to win the AFC East. Then, in their second game against Buffalo, beat up pretty good. Now, in their third match against Buffalo, demolished. Are you chalking this up to a team that just doesn't have enough talent with a worse quarterback who's a rookie? Or are you going to make a bigger picture point about this, perhaps, where if you're the Patriots, there's some real, I don't want to say panic, but some real question marks in the franchise saying, how are we going to be able to compete with Josh Allen when our quarterback doesn't seem to have that type of pop? Even if you project forward with Mac Jones, he doesn't have the pop of a Josh Allen. Are you going there yet? Or are you reining in the panic after getting smoked out in wildcard weekend for the Patriots? No, no, I'm not going to press the button, the panic button if I'm the New England Patriots. They overachieved big time this year. I didn't think they would make the playoffs. Um, that being, I didn't think they wouldn't have a chance. Anytime you have Bill Belichick as the head coach, you have a chance to make the playoffs. I thought they were going to make it last year, and that was, uh, you know, me foolishly believing that Cam Newton could still throw a football. And so, <laughs> no, but um, yeah, Mac Jones, and, and another thing too, because I don't want to take away um, any credit that massively belongs to the Buffalo Bills. I've been saying from the start, uh, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. They were my pick to go to the Super Bowl. I have a Super Bowl winning ticket for the Buffalo Bills where I pick up a nice chuck of change if they do win. And not just because I have that ticket, I think they're going to beat the Chiefs this weekend. I cannot wait for that game. I hope it lives up to the hype. I hope it's one of the greatest playoff games in recent memory. Uh, and I hope it gives us everything that we deserve after this weekend of terrible games. Um, but yeah, no, the bills are just that damn good across the board. When you look at Josh Allen as the quarterback, a dual threat weapon, that is one of the top five quarterbacks in the game. You look at a defense that has gotten better as the year has gone on, even though they've lost an all pro an all pro cornerback in Tredavious white. I mean, look at Poyer and Hyde, what they've been able to do. They're now all pros themselves as safeties and the linebackers stopping the run, uh, you know, just their entire defense. Incredible. And then what Brian Dable has been able to do, um, uh, you know, calling the plays and running the show on offense for Allen. And even though they don't have really a strong running game with Singletary and and the you know the, the revolving door of running backs with Moss and whoever else they've put back there, and 
you know, again, you look at the receiving core, Stefan Diggs, awesome. But like, we're not talking about Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox. Like they're all pros. Like these guys are great that elevate their games. They run routes incredibly well. And just as an offense, they click so well together. So there's, there's me, you know, on my knees for Buffalo because I think they're that damn good. That being said for new England, again, I'm not a believer that Mac Jones is going to be a game changing quarterback. Not now, probably not anytime soon. Did he overperform in year one? Yes, he was very good. That being said, I think there you saw a very rigid ceiling with him uh, this year that you can project going forward. I just don't see how you can be successful as a quarterback in the NFL if you're not Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, if you don't have a release time of two seconds with pinpoint accuracy and a big arm. If you don't have those, you have to be able to use your legs. And Mac Jones can't run the ball at all. He can't run. You you know that he's not getting out of the pocket and hurting you with his legs. So unless he becomes a pinpoint accuracy thrower of the football, then this offense ultimately is going to be limited. Uh, and, and even then, again, you know, the receivers are not that strong. Like, um, you know, Nikhil Harry and Myers and, and, the, and the two tight end system with Henry and Smith, that can be improved. So he, they could get him better weapons. Uh, but no, I think overall for New England, it was a great year. You know, you saw the limitations, though, as the year went on. So they still have some more work to do here. But I think it was a big step forward for Belichick and them getting the the dynasty back on track. Yeah, they're, they're way ahead of schedule, right? So panicking is definitely really far in advance. Right? And the fact that you're going to come, any, no, not you, the fact that anyone's going to ever come out and say, oh, yeah, Mac Jones can't be the quarterback here because – He's not as good as Josh Allen. Get him out. Like that's obviously way too aggressive. He's going to win a bunch of games, especially if Bill is still there uh, and is continuing to coach at a high level, right? And the defense is going to continue to play at a high level. The run game will be at a high level. He's going to win probably ten games at minimum every single year, as as he probably should in this system in this team. But can he take them to thirteen wins? I think he can, but he's going to need a lot of help. And you said Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I think there's even like a, a Drew Brees hope perhaps there where maybe he doesn't even have the big arm down the field ever, but he just has that field general quick twitchiness. He doesn't, he's not a really quick twitch guy, so it's kind of tough to make that comparison. That's another thing why the Brady thing is so annoying, but also makes sense because Brady for a long time earlier in his career wasn't like a super quick twitchy guy either. So I, I don't know. I'm not going to go out here and say he's going to be bad. He's not going to win games because he is going to win games. But there's a whole lot of other quarterbacks in the league that I would take over him. Uh, and that obviously starts with the Mahomes and Josh Allens of the world. So no panic, but definitely questions. And definitely a look in the mirror for New England saying, how are we going to get better? Because right now, man, our defense could be top five in the league every year for the next three. And Josh Allen may make it look like it does not matter at all. And that's just the fact that that's just the truth right there. And you can see it in Denver. Now, granted, they don't even have the quarterback situation handled like Mac Jones and the Patriots do. Denver has had some amazing defenses over the past couple of years. Hasn't mattered a lick against Kansas City. It's not going to not gonna matter because 98% of the time, those two quarterbacks, Mahomes and Josh Allen, go out there and put up points, right? So unless you can hang on the point front, you might catch them once. You ain't catching them twice. And yeah, definitely ain't catching them three times as the Patriots learn the hard way here. Uh, let's move on, though, to our next conversation here are we done with the the goodbye bye teams here oh let's give a little let's give actually yeah i got one more question for you one more question on the teams we're saying goodbye to from the wild card weekend then we'll get into our preview of the divisional round three teams that lost 
you know, valiant efforts for the, for the most part, kind of maybe, I don't know. You can argue how valiant their efforts were, but three teams that I think everybody respects and obviously they belonged, uh, maybe bad luck, injuries, whatever you want to call it, they're out and they have question marks at the coach spot. You don't hear that very often about playoff teams, but the, uh, the Oakland, oof, the Las Vegas Raiders and their interim coach in uh, Rich Pisaccia, the Cowboys and their second-year coach in Mike McCarthy, and now the Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury in their first playoffs all lose in round one and all have question marks about their futures. Pat, let's start with the Cardinals. They've been your team. The question's about Kingsbury. Fair, unfair, is he here or is he gone? I think they're fair. Um, when you look at just, and I've seen it all over Twitter, the way he has finished seasons, even going all the way back to his time at Texas Tech, um, it's been brutal. I mean, it's been like a total, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Antithesis of how he started a year and how he's finished a year. Hot starts, and then teams figure out what you're about. Uh, your game plan seems easy to get to get shut down, especially his hot, flashy, high-flying offense. And, 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 and then they just kind of fade and it's happened every year that he's been here in Arizona. So there's definitely legitimate concerns. That being said, you can't take away how well they have started. I mean, they were seven and zero, and I looked like a goddamn genius, Pete, right? I said, the Cardinals were going to the NFC championship game, seven and zero, rolling through some of the best teams in the NFL. They looked unbeatable. And then the Thursday night game comes where Grant Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any receivers and he finds a way to beat them on their own field. And that kind of started to shift the tide on their season. It started seven and zero. they finished what 11 and five or 11 and six. And, uh, and then easily just get destroyed by the LA Rams and Kyler Murray at times looks like he has no idea what the hell is going on back there. And that's a guy who I said, I would love to see Kyler put together a full MVP type season. Once again, just as Cliff Kingsbury, had a terrible end of his season yet again. So did Kyler Murray. So it's not all just on Cliff. The quarterback's got to be there to produce for you. And I know DeAndre Hopkins went out, and that was the that was ultimately the dagger for them because he's arguably the best receiver in football, along with Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup. So you take away that high profile, that talented of a receiver that has that massive an Im- of an impact on your offense. Yeah, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do well. Um, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is going anywhere anytime soon. Um, because again, I, I think for me, for him to get fired, they'd have to get to the playoffs again next year and get destroyed. And if that doesn't happen, if they were able to win a game or if they lose a tight game in the first round next year, they would then have to get to the playoffs and lose their first playoff game again the year after that. So I think Cliff Kingsbury has a minimum still of two years left. And that's again, that's if they get to the playoffs and get, and get destroyed like they did against the Rams. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. He has at least one. I think it's at least one. And if he doesn't win a playoff game next year, he's gone. Uh, the the noise is too loud. I really, think, I think people want him out now. But you know, Pat, like I think people, a lot of people would be like, he never deserved the job in the first place. The only reason he won game is because Kyler Murray's there. Like a lot of people don't like him to begin with. And then when you're not liked to begin with, oh, uh, you only got a job because you had coffee with Sean McVay. Like you only had a job because you had Pat Mahomes in college and couldn't even win with him. Like all these things that get said about Cliff all the time. And he's really handsome. Let's be honest. Like people hate him for that. Uh, am I wrong, by the way? Do you think there's a little bit of something? Uh, that's absolutely why people hate him because he's a good looking guy. He's got a big old house, probably bangs a lot of 
Um, I'll stop myself there. Was there for a second, I thought you were going to say big old house, big old dick. <laughs> <laughs> he might. You never know. You never know. He's got a lot going for him. We don't, we can't confirm nor deny that. But anyways, <laughs> like when people are already against you and you have now a franchise that hasn't had playoff success in what? 12 years. When were they made the run with Larry Fitz and Kurt Warner? Yeah, 2009. 9-2010 range, right? So it's been a while. It's been a minute. There's pressure. And I think with all the narrative online and all the hate he gets, it doesn't help his case. It, it's going to get advanced. I think he has one more year. You can't do it now. They're ahead of schedule. How many teams have a quarterback in their third year? Actually, you know, a fair bit do kind of make the playoffs. But third-year quarterback in one of the toughest divisions in football have the season that they even had in the first place and make the playoffs. That's impressive enough to get another year. But if this happens again next year, it is done. It is done. I don't think he has a minimum of two. He has one more year for me, and that's about it. The Kyler's thing that was very interesting. I heard Steve Young talking on the Michael K show on Monday before the Cardinals played. He was talking about Jalen Hurts. But unfortunately, some of the same things he was saying applies to Kyler Murray. And Steve Young said, I, I had to learn this myself. I was this guy. Until you are able to be a full-fledged quarterback from the pocket without even thinking about running, like not even as a last resort, just completely win games and play completely from the pocket. Until you can do that, you can never be a true success in this league. And, and that's what he said. And I was like, oh, Steve, really? Like, come on. You're gonna... And I was like, he's probably right though, right? And then what he said that stuck with me the most was, if you are Josh Allen, if you are Jalen Hurts, uh, if you are um, Kyler Murray, and you know in the back of your head you have that bag that have it in the bag that you can sneak out the pocket, extend this play and run. You're always going to rely on that at some extent, and until you can strip that away and learn how to rely on everything else first and only use that as a last resort, or only use that as a weapon when you need to, like it's just not going to work. And I don't know if I fully agree with that with Kyler because he has shown such amazing skill as a passer, but there's part of me that always thinks back to the beginning of the season when I was like, I can't fully buy into their offense because it feels so spectacular. It feels so amazing. It doesn't feel solid. It feels special, but it doesn't feel solid. And you, sh you, you want to start with solid and become special. And his legs are so important to that and so important to them putting points on the board. And there's all this talk about when he's not running, that he's not willing to take a hit. He's not willing to use his legs now because it's later in the season and he's banged up. And that makes me nervous with a guy of his size and the guy with his talent he needs to be able to find a way to overcome that. And man, it just makes me a little bit nervous about him and his ability to win in this division against Shanahan, against McVay. And if he's going to actually find that success, it'll mean Cliff Kingsbury's job before Kyler's. He ain't losing his job anytime soon. He's incredibly talented. But if you're thinking about Super Bowls for Kyler Murray, it's a really, really hard path to find right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, let, I mean, let's be honest. The a lot of the criticism that Kyler has been getting here over these last 24 hours is valid. Uh that being said, his offensive line did him no favors at all. They were getting beat, they were getting their asses beat in left and right every single time he dropped back to pass under pressure immediately. So, you know, I, I get why he was he was happy feet, ready to leave the pocket every time he dropped back to throw. And again, I think this just goes to show you. And hopefully nobody ever forgets again, DeAndre Hopkins, top three receiver in the NFL, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins. 
Those are the three you should always have in that conversation. Anybody else, they're not there yet. They're not at the level that those guys have. You see, the, we see, we saw how bad this offense became without DeAndre, without Hopkins. He's that damn good. He single-handedly changes the identities of, of this offense. So, yes, in theory, I do agree with you. Kyler Murray has to get better. I mean, I've been saying I've been waiting for a full, full, complete season for him since he got in the league, and it's always one half is great, the other half's not. But, yes, I, I think the offensive line needs to improve in the offseason for them. Um, and you, you hope that DeAndre Hopkins stays healthy. But, yeah, I, I agree. Kyler Murray's got to be better. There we talked about with Arthur DeCesar last week, uh, where he talked about all of the stuff he thinks about with lines and you know him working in Vegas for almost a decade. We had went through a lot of great stuff, and one of the things that got mentioned that you know a lot of people are aware of, but we'll say it again: most ninety nine point five percent, ninety nine point nine percent of non quarterbacks, if they move a line at all, according to the sports books, it's half a point. DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup and a handful of defensive players. And when I say handful, that's probably even pushing it. They are the few, the far between that actually move a point or a point and a half at most probably. And it's a good time to remind everybody that D hop is one of those few. He's that special, especially when you look at like, you know, we don't talk about on off numbers in football. That's more of a basketball stat, you know, plus minus if you will, but the stats are saying something to you. When you look at how Kyler and this offense cooks with Diop and without Diop, um, but yeah, you know they're they're not going anywhere, but they're also not going anywhere at this point in time. If that makes sense, right? They they ain't gonna now be bad next year, but right now they're not going anywhere forward either. They're gonna be right in that competitive spot, but they have to compete with the Niners and the Rams, and that's freaking tough because those teams are really well coached typically and very talented. Um, on the Cowboys front, Pat McCarthy, bye bye. Dianara, what do we think? I know Jerry. Uh, he's he's got one more year. Cowboys fans are cringing right now, right? They have to be. Everybody's he, cringing. Everybody's bad higher when it's happened, Pat. We're still yeah, here. we're still yeah. Here talking about it. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's just you've seen the same story too many times here now. If I feel like if you're a Cowboys fan, you've seen the the botch, the the plate, the 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 clock management. You've seen the botch timeouts. Um, and again, you know, if, if people want to make fun of Mike McCarthy and people want to shit on him, you got to take a shit on Kellen Moore as well, because who's the guy who's running the show on offense, right? Kellen Moore is the one running the show. So anything in terms of the offensive game plan, the offensive, some, you know, the clock management and the, the timeouts, like that's always going to be on the head coach. Like, cause that, that like, you can't, you can't delegate that to somebody else. You're the head coach. You have to take responsibility. But the play calling and the offense, from what we've heard and from what we see every Sunday on the sidelines, that's Kellen Moore calling the majority, if not all, of the plays on offense. So, again, if they haven't, if anybody has an issue with that, that's on Kellen Moore. Again, I think we're going to see this the 14 second, the quarterback draw to try to take a take a shot from the 25 yard line instead of two shots at the 40 yard line. That's going to burn bright in everybody's mind here until October, until or until September, until we get football going again, and the Cowboys can finally turn the page on that and forget about it, and then they can start beating up on bad teams again and say, "See, we told you so." We them boys, but uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't think Mike McCarthy is ever going to make it back to a Super Bowl. But that being said, I think Jerry Jones is somebody that we've seen is pretty lenient. You know, right? Look how lenient he was with fucking Jason Garrett for however many years that it became pretty obvious he didn't belong there. I think 
Mike McCarthy's got at least one more year. He's got at least one more year here in, in terms of leading the, leading the Dallas Cowboys. And if they go one and done in the playoffs again, he's out. He's absolutely out. But if they make it to the playoffs and they get a bye, hard to say they would. If they make it to the playoffs and win a game and they're in the divisional round and they give a really tough game and lose, then I don't know where you go from there. But I can guarantee Mike McCarthy's not getting fired here over the next couple of weeks. He's, he's coming back next year. There's two trains of thought, in my opinion, on this front. And I, I teeter back and forth depending on the situation. And it's one side of the coin is rip the Band-Aid off and start over. And the other side of the coin is continuity and consistency is really important. And improvements are supposed to be made over time, right? Those are the two sides of the coin. Jerry Jones lands on that second side of the coin, but also sprinkles in the fact that he doesn't like to admit that he's wrong. Right, like a lot of pe- a lot of these people who are in charge, who have the decision power, they don't like to admit that they're wrong, right? Dave Gettleman drafts Daniel Jones. He's not going to pull uh, Daniel Jones out from being the starter or draft another quarterback because he's trying to prove he made the right pick. Now, is that the right thing in that situation? Uh, it's a different day, but I don't. I'm with you. I don't think Jerry's going to pull the trigger on this Mike McCarthy thing, even though 90% of people thought it was the wrong hire in the first place. And for all the people who said Kellen Moore is the next best thing, I'll just fire McCarthy, put Moore as the head coach. You know, I think we were a little early on that one. I think we were a lot early, perhaps, on that one. He's a young guy. He's done some nice things with the offense, but hasn't put a full season together of, of greatness yet. So I, I'm, I'm stuck. I would fire McCarthy and start over. But if I'm saying what I think is going to happen versus what I think should happen, I think he's still here. And I think Cowboy fans are going to be irate. And the rest of the league is going to laugh and they're still going to win the NFC East next year because the NFC East is terrible. And we're going to be here next year again, talking about the Cowboys losing in the playoffs and it's going to be deja vu. I also think we need to put some, put some blame too on, on the guys on the field as well. Dak did not have a good game and he did not have a good end of the season. Um, you know, his numbers just kind of gotten worse and worse. And there was times where you're seeing him throw for like 218 yards and and they don't, and they haven't had a run game basically this entire year. Cause another guy that deserves blame is Zeke, right? Now it's all right. Well, is, has he, was he injured the entire year or is he healthy and he just stinks now? Like you see another one that kind of just has lost his explosiveness. You know, we're seeing Pollard get more carries than him. Either way, the run game is not that good anymore. And Dak again, without, a solid run games like when they're relying on the passing and he's only thrown for like 218 yards and then you're not taking shots down the field. And we're not seeing him throw the deep ball as well as we, you know, he did in the beginning of the year when he's thrown for 400 yards in the first couple of games. It's like, what do you, how is this happening? How is this happening with CD lamb with Amari Cooper with, uh, with Schultz and with, and, 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 you know, again, they lost Gallup, but still like they have way too many weapons to, to not be one of the top offenses week in and week out. And when you look at the entire course of this season, yeah, what, they were third in points, but then on your home field and you can't even put up, you know, you're struggling to put up 20 points against, again, a good San Francisco 49ers defense, but still, you got to overcome that. got to. You got to do it. And Dak deserves uh, blame as well. And I hate to do that because I was one of the guys out here saying how impressive Dak was early in the season. He's And he was. Yeah, he was. And he gets injured. And then they don't beat anyone good the rest of the season, right? They don't have a, a signature victory. We talked about signature victories for a couple teams this year. The Cowboys are one of them. They didn't really beat anyone that impressive. The Patriots, same thing. And they end up falling on their face in the first round. Um, Belichick is only going to not coach the Patriots if he chooses not to. So he'll be back, but McCarthy's in question. 
I'm leaning though with you, Pat. I think he'll be back for one more year. I think it's the wrong decision. Uh, last words on a team that's out. I'll make this quick because we got to get to this preview. Rich Basaccia. Rich? Rick. Rich. Rich. Rich Basaccia. You did a good job. You got to tip your cap. You got to say job well done. Give credit where credit's due. That team played inspired football for the second half of the season, and they deserve credit. They came up short. A lot of people were talking about the referees and talking about um, how coulda, shoulda, woulda this, coulda, woulda that. Refereeing is going to be bad, and people are going to complain about it, and it is what it is. That's never going to change. It's never been, you know, people have this fantasy about refereeing in professional sports that it was good before or it's good today and bad tomorrow. It's only bad when you when it's something against you, right? You know, that type of thing that goes on online. I'm not going to sit here and blame the refs for why the Raiders are not in the next round, right? I'm not going to do that. You could argue about one play. You could argue about another play, and then it evens out. So Rich Basaccia, however, deserves credit. Carr deserves credit. That being said, there could be a lot of shakeups in Vegas this year. So what do you think should happen, or what do you think is going to happen? Maybe give a short answer on both. What I think should happen is Rich Passaccia should be the head coach of the Vegas Raiders. Um, the the circumstances he took over, this guy was, you know, we've never, I'd never heard of him. Um, I don't think a lot of people around the media had ever heard of him. I don't think a lot of people around the game had ever heard of him. He was probably an afterthought when it came to ever being a head coach in the NFL. He's thrust into this position when the whole thing with Gruden comes down and you're in the midst of losing Ruggs and Damon Arnett. So you have literally like the entire weight of the world on you you're taking over in a situation where you know you're 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 losing guys left and right to misogynistic and homophobic emails and killing people in a car crash and putting guns on social media and the whole world's kind of falling down and the vegas raiders are in that typical mid-season swoon and all rich Passaccia does is take them to the playoffs uh, like again, he's not a not a brilliant tactician. He's not the one dialing up trick plays left and right. We know that, but at the end of the day, a head coach is a leader. He is a leader, and this guy was a damn good fucking leader of this team. And he got get this team to the playoffs, and that should never be taken away from him. And I think just in that respect, he deserves to be the head coach next year. Now, what I think will happen, he won't be because Mike Mayock uh, can't draft somebody that doesn't end up in prison. Um, or, or isn't a bust. So he's failed miserably as a GM. We'll see maybe if he can, uh, you know, try to, uh, con his way back into being a draft expert when he can't even draft the uh, guys for his own team. So he's out. And again, it's the classic situation that we saw with the giants that ultimately got Joe judge failed, uh, fired. Will Mark Davis hamstring the new GM with a head coach that was promoted to head coach because of a firing mid season. I don't think so. I think Bisacci will stay on the staff. Hopefully they should. Um, but I think he deserves to be the head coach, but I don't think yeah. it'll happen. And what a weird dynamic for those players after you, you know, put your guts out on the line for a guy and then he's the special teams coach again or whatever he was beforehand, right? the, the assistant head coach. It's tough. Uh, I, honestly, though, and this might sound like a little aggressive, but just vibes that I got with Bisacci, a little Mike Tomlin vibe, a little Mike Tomlin vibe, just on the sideline, patrolling being yes. stern and serious like having that that larger than life presence that you need to as a head coach he had that and tomlin's not a defensive or offensive expert he's just a leader of men and a coach who gets the job done right and leads his staff in the right direction as well as his players in the right direction that's the vibes you got with rich Pisaccia. just don't know if he's going to get that chance hopefully down the line he gets something you know a chance somewhere i don't know 
what his angle is to get there. You know, two special teams coordinator, or not two, but one special teams coordinator who went right to head coach just got fired as well. And Joe Judge, who you just mentioned. So it's a tough sell for front office and ownership to say, yeah, you know, this is our guy. When there's other people on the market who are the the shiny toys, the enemies of the world, that's the type of guy who I can see him going after in division, take him from Kansas City. Also uh, a hot offensive mind. You know, last year he probably could have got a coach job if he wanted to. That, that's probably the route I see them going because they're more of a splashy type organization typically. So I think that what they need though is less splash and more solidness. The same thing with the Cardinals where they need less splash on offense and more solidness. That's what the Raiders need too. Not It's not going to happen. Uh, but let's move on. Let's get into this preview stuff. Subway sports, sports talk, Pete Kennedy, Pat Boyle. You know what it is. Uh, and we got four great games coming up. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. And I want to start off with the first game on Saturday, it's Bengals Titans right now. Titans are at three and a half favorites right now, Pat. And I got to say, I expected this to be two and a half. I don't know if there's a Derek Henry boost here because he's expected to play. And he apparently looks really good in practice and whatnot. When you saw that line at three and a half with the Titans, who even being a one seed kind of had no one believing in them this year. Was that shocking to you when you saw that line originally? And, and how are you feeling about this game? Um, I thought it was going to be higher. I thought it was going to be four or four and a half. Uh, and I think a big reason why, which a lot of people don't uh, aren't talking about, is that's the loss of the two linemen on Cincinnati's line, which we saw get after Carr time and time again, which was the forefront of their defense. The nose tackle, Larry Ogunjobi, done for the year. And their top sacks guy, Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson, who had 14 concussion. Now we're seeing maybe he could play now with the concussion. Um, trying toward being available for Saturday's divisional round matchup with the Titans. So that makes that's a huge difference um, for them. You know, again, one guy is not going to make a whole world of difference, but two guys on a line that is one of the best pass rushes and left in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a big difference for them. But yeah, no, I mean, you get King Henry back and, you know, again, we talk about how much can one guy move the line. Derrick Henry borders that, right? Like he's that special. He's the best running back in the NFL, hands down. I don't know anybody that's going to disagree with that. And, you know, again, I think Tennessee's defense has just been super underrated this year. Um, you know, with Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry, what they've been able to do and how the, 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 the secondary with Kevin Byard and Christian Fulton, they've, they've exceeded expectations to the point where, you know, they've taken a lot of pressure off the offense. But, you know, we're going to see an offense that is going to be at full strength, linemen, Weapons and all for one of the first times all season long. That's a scary thought. And I don't think people realize how good Tennessee's offense is going to be because we'd like to shit on Tannehill for being a game manager and a guy that can't win you games when he's done it time and time again in the playoffs last year, in the playoffs two years ago, the Tennessee Titans are no joke. Um, I think if ultimately if Trey Hendrickson does play and you're really only missing Ogunjobi, I think this is going to fall between three and four. Uh, but I think Tennessee goes out and takes care of business this weekend. So you thought the opposite of me. You thought maybe even higher than three and a half. I, I guess maybe what I was thinking of with the Titans was, yeah, Derrick Henry's coming back, but is he even going to be that effective? Is he going to be that Derrick Henry, the King Henry that we got so accustomed to over time? I don't know, actually, now that I think about it, if it's going to matter that much because Dante Foreman is a guy who played extremely well. He had 300-plus-yard games on the ground and the run game, not that it didn't miss a beat because that would be inaccurate, but it did still stay very effective. 
So I think maybe we'll see more of a mix between, you know, uh, between Henry and, and Foreman throughout this game. But the big guy who I mentioned on this pod a few weeks ago is AJ Brown and he's healthy. He's got some time off to get right. He's dangerous. And right now in the playoffs in Tannehill's history, he has, he has two playoff wins. Now you take out the Miami one, uh, where they were not really expected to win. They lost big way back when in 2016. In 2019, they made it to the conference championship. Last year, they lost to the Ravens in a tight one in the first round. So it's not completely fair, like you said, to just say, oh, Tannehill can't do it. He can do it. He has done it. And he's set up now better than he ever was this season to do so. And the fact that they got to this point as the one seed, even though it felt fugazi, it felt like it wasn't legitimate, they are here for a reason. And they weathered incredible storms the entire year. Maybe I'm uh, underrating the Titans a little bit, and maybe that's exactly how the Titans want it, but it looks like the sports books are not underrating the Titans. They're giving them the hook at three and a half. It'll be interesting to see where this line goes by Saturday afternoon. On the Bengals front, Pat, anything that you saw in round one, maybe that gives you confidence or gives you pause with them? I know you just hyped up the Titans a little bit, but with Cincinnati and Joe Burrow and that offense, any any reason to believe positive or negative outcome into round two? I just think, um, no. I mean, I, I, I think Cincinnati's offense is legit. I really do. I, I really do think Burrow is that good. Um, again, we just know the offensive line uh, gives up the most sacks in the NFL. So they've got to be able to protect him. That is, that's always going to be key number one for them. Protect him, and they've got to get the run game going because – as much as we like to, you know, just see Burrow, the good-looking quarterback, and Jamar Chase and CJ Uzama, who's come on as, as a huge tight end for them and a really big weapon, and T. Higgins, and we like to say, oh, look at Burrow, 500 yards. Like, don't forget, that's not possible without a strong run game and, and an offensive line that can't pass block to save their life, but they move, they run block really well. And that's why Joe Mixon has had a huge year. Um, you know, he's basically the second-best running back in the NFL in terms of the stats. Um, you know, when you look at everything across the board, so that's not possible without a strong run game. So they have to have that balance, right? Zach Taylor. And, um, I forget the OC's name off the top of my head. I know they were showing them a couple of times in the booth on Saturday, but they've got to stick to that balanced attack on offense. They can't lean one way heavy over another. And the, the only way they would lean heavily over another is, is with the passing game. You can't fall in love with trying to throw on Tennessee early. And then, you know, you, you maybe throw a pick in the first or two drive or two, or you get a strip sack and now you're playing from behind because again, you get behind on Tennessee and they're just going to keep running it and running it and running it. So if Cincinnati wants to stay in this game. They've got to establish the line of the, the, uh, the line of scrimmage. They've got to run the ball early on and set up those play action moments for Burrow. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't have a lean yet here, man. I really don't. I know we like to give our leans out. I'm going to have to hold on tight to this one before I make my pick because at this point in time, my initial lead was like, all right, maybe I got to take the points here. But, you know, it's staying above three and it's making me a little bit nervous here. I, I don't mind taking the points here, but I could also see it being one of those situations where the Bengals are down. The only good thing about that is they are more equipped than 90% of teams, maybe outside the Bills and Chiefs, to come back from a big-time deficit. Uh, at this point in time. So that aspect makes me a little nervous. So I'm not, I'm not feeling one way or the other here. Are you leaning Titans right now? Yeah. 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 I think in this case, you know, you had a pretty physical game last week with, uh, with Cincinnati and Vegas. So 
obviously you're always going to give the nod to like I'm not I'm not you know I'm not rewriting the fucking book here. Yeah, like I'm giving the nod to the one seed off the bye with the fresh legs. Like yeah, I'm giving the nod to the Titans here in this one. Um, and I just I think Tannehill does not get enough credit. So I, I I like him as a quarterback. I like him in this system. You mentioned AJ Brown, absolute stud, another guy that probably doesn't get enough credit as he should. And this defense has not gotten enough credit as they should. Again, Pete, they went on a stretch. If I could pull this up here in five seconds, they went on a stretch, the Tennessee Titans, where they beat, I believe it was seven straight playoff teams from a year ago. If I have that correct. And that I, is, I, do, I remember that number. I literally had the schedule pulled up. Here it is. So yeah, after they got destroyed by Arizona in uh, week one, they then went on to beat the Seahawks, the Colts. They lose to the Jets, which were like we were looking at that. We're like, all right, Tennessee's not for real. And then they beat the Bills on the Monday night stand. They destroy the Chiefs. They beat the Colts in OT. They destroy the Rams. They beat the Saints. And then that was when Henry got hurt. Uh, and then they ended up losing to the uh, the Texans and the Patriots back to back. But I mean, this team, as every team has done this year, every great team has gone through their ups and downs. They're, when they're fully healthy, they are one of the most, if not the most, balanced team in the NFL. And that is why they truly don't have a weakness that you can say, all right, well, you can beat them this way. Yeah. And you know, one of my pet peeves real quick before we move on to the next game. I have a pet peeve when I see stuff on Twitter and it's like, Derrick Henry looking like a beast in practice today. And he's doing like simple drills. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I just laughed to myself. I'm like. Derrick Henry is an all-time athlete. One of the best athletes we've seen in the sport ever, right? Like he comes back and like runs a, 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 some high steps through a bag and lowers his shoulder into a defender who knows it's coming. Oh, man, Derrick Henry looking like mid-season form. This guy hasn't played in, in weeks and weeks and weeks. Like We're really going to come out here and be like, oh, he, he lowered his shoulder at practice one time. He's back, baby. <laughs> kind of crazy. I'm not going to lie. Um but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm leaning Titans as well. Uh, I'm really I'm gonna wait as long as I can to get my picks out because I want to see where that line goes. Right now on pregame.com, I'm seeing about a 15% swing in cash on the Titans. So some sharp money on the Titans early. Technically, this opened at six and a half. So I don't know when that jumped or how that jumped. Maybe we would need to hit up Art the Caesar for that one. But if that line goes up. To four, four and a half. That's just giving me possibly more confidence in the Titans. I won't even care about the the extra points there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see where the pick gets made there. But on to our next game, Saturday night, 49ers at Packers. Minus six right now for the Green Bay Packers, a team that's covered a ton of spreads this year, a team that's just continuously taking care of business. They beat the Niners already this year. That was one of my picks I remember from uh, way earlier in the season. Packers are good. Packers are just good. Defense is good. Weapons are good. Offense is good. The Dylan-Aaron Jones combo is strong. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Do the Niners have what it takes, though, to write one of those scripts again where they can dominate up front, run the ball all over this team, make Debo Samuel look like the stud he is, and take down the Packers, not just cover the spread. They have to be looked at as a serious contender to win this game, Pat. Do you have a lean or a feel about this spread when you first saw it? Um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, you always give the nod to the one seed coming off the bye, especially when you have Aaron Rodgers and how dominant this team was in the regular season. I think what's, you know, just like I said, with Cincinnati before, what's going to be the thing here is one is Nick Bosa going to play, right? Didn't practice Tuesday 
Another guy, concussion, just like Trey Hendrickson for Cincinnati, can change a game for them in terms of the pass rush. So is Bosa going to play? Is Dre Greenlaw going to play? Is um, Aziz Alshire going to play? Is Fred Warner going to play? You're looking at their entire linebacking crew, their entire linebacking crew, plus one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, all as being questionables right now. So I can't give you a true lean until I find out what their status is as we make our way towards Sunday. Um, but I know this, a fully healthy San Francisco team, they've got a shot, right? I'm, you know, I, I went against it with picking uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, for our picks, but I, I told you, I said to Sal Licata on the fan when I was producing one of his shows, I think the San Francisco 49ers or the Colts, one of those teams could make the Super Bowl this year. So I'm going to give them a punching chance if they have all those guys playing. Um, that being said, Green Bay looks even scarier if they can get Darius Smith and Jair Alexander back here on defense. I don't, I don't know how it's even like a question at this thought. Like I thought Jair Alexander has been like practicing and ready to go for like four weeks now, but apparently not. I'm, I'm, I hope he plays. Um, and again, I'll, I'll take like the whatever rust he has now, having not played for basically the whole year. Um, but if him and Zadarius Smith suit up, that makes Green Bay's defense even scarier. And uh, that would make it even that much tougher to, to back San Francisco. But if it's Sunday morning right now, or it's, if it's Saturday night at 6.30, Pete, and you're telling me, gun to my head, who you taking? And San Francisco's got most of those guys that I mentioned playing. I'd probably take the Niners to cover the points. I like that. I'm with you. And you know what happens when you have rematches, right? You saw it with the Patriots and Bills. Patriots got number one. Bills take number two, and they run away with number three. Cardinals dominate the Rams in number one. Rams take number two, dominate in number three. The Packers beat up on the on the Niners earlier this year. I remember because I remember betting on the Packers first quarter, first half, and the game and hit all three of them. I remember it vividly because I was so proud of that betting moment for myself. In the rematch, it's never going to be as simple and as straightforward. You get into the playoffs, you get Kyle Shanahan, and you get a real chance here. I'm leaning towards the Packers just because of how damn solid they've been. And I think that if the Packers go down this year, it's 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 conference championship or Super Bowl. I think they're going to take at least one win here no matter what. The six points is a little bit scary, but, man, I wouldn't be surprised if if Aaron Rodgers is going nuclear early in this game and just hitting Devontae Adams early and taking a lead early, and this Niners team is not built to come from behind typically. I know they did it against the Rams in Week 18. They're not typically built to do so. So I'm leaning Packers here, uh, but again, I'm going to wait with you and see what's going on with all these injured players. Uh, but man, how fun is Debo Samuel, Pat? Holy hell. Uh, he's just a stud, dude. You talk about D-Hop, Cooper Cup, and Devontae Adams. We're not far away from throwing Debo Samuel into the mix of one of those playmakers. And you don't even want to call him just a wide receiver at this point. One of those playmakers who can move a point spread. He really, really could. I think if he's out for the Niners, that spread actually does move a point, a point and a half, because he's been that freaking relied upon and just dominant for the Niners this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's a brick shit house and he's fast as hell and he just runs guys over. And, you know, his field vision is unbelievable the way he kind of just knows every cut, every cut to make it every time. He knows exactly what hole to hit, whether to bounce it out. Um, and then again, just in the passing game, he's so quick and his route running is incredible. Uh, he's, he's an all out threat. And I think he has thrust himself into conversation. And, you know, when you take away quarterbacks, he's one of the top 10 weapons in football. 
Um, I don't think that's that. I don't think that's an overstatement or an exaggeration at all. Um, I think he's that damn good. So much to the point where George Kittle has almost become an afterthought in this offense. Like, dude, really? imagine if George Kittle's getting his his grabs and his targets. They're completely. They're just almost ignoring him. Like that needs to be talked about a lot going into this weekend because if they're going to want to beat Green Bay, they've got to get Kittle the fucking ball. I don't know what happened with Garoppolo and Kittle. Why all of a sudden he's getting like two, three fucking four targets a game because it should be either throwing at Debo Samuel or George Kittle or hand the ball off and then the, the occasional Ayuk. But like George Kittle is an all pro tight end and he needs to be getting his, his targets because then that makes Debo that much more dangerous. That makes the run game that much more dangerous. And you and you talked about that game earlier in the year. Pete, don't forget, that was 17-0 early on. Mason Crosby had to hit a game-expiring field goal to win that game. San Francisco came all the way back from 17-0 down. They led that with 30 seconds to go. And Aaron Rodgers went, what, 50 yards in 30 seconds, and then Crosby hit a 51-yarder. So they beat him up early, but even San Francisco made some late-game uh, adjustments in that one and almost beat Green Bay. So I think it's going to be close no matter what, honestly, the more and more we talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I actually, if I remember correctly, the Niners were favorite in that game. I th- I'm pretty sure they were favorite because I think my point when I made my pick of the Packers was how the Niners struggled so much as a home favorite. They just didn't cover a lot of home favorite spreads. And I'll tell you right here. Yep, San Francisco, three-point favorite. They were three-point favorites then, yes. And that's why, you know, when you said that for a second, I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure I covered that one. I was like, oh, wait. The Niners were favorite going into that game, and that was when the Packers were – you know, ascending to the one seed that they became because for some reason there was hesitancy about the Packers' strength coming into this year with the Aaron Rodgers drama. That wasn't really much of a drama ever and was overstated for the most part. Um, But one last question on this game. Jimmy G is one of these guys who is stuck in between. He's clearly, clearly good enough to be a starting quarterback, especially with Kyle Shanahan and the Niners. He's clearly good enough to win a lot of games and make a playoff run, but there's still a lack of trust with him across pundits who talk about the sport constantly, fans, and even other players. It's not like other players are out here saying Jimmy G deserves all this more respect. So with all that being said, Pat, is he one of these guys, or is he a guy right now who can go out and win a game, go out and make the plays, make the big throws, and not really not make the big mistake? Do you have the trust in Jimmy G or do you think if the Niners take this, it's more to do with Shanahan and the defense than it is with Jimmy? I want, I, I want to say it's Jimmy, right? Like I want to, because I like him. I love him, right? Guys, good looking as hell. Thanks porn stars. Um, so yeah, like I want to love him. And I, I, I saw the last couple of games and this was the reasoning for my pick to take Dallas. Cause I thought ultimately it came down to Jimmy G was going to make a big mistake. Um, I see, I've seen the happy feet in the pocket when he's under pressure and he did, he threw the pick right uh, four yards over. I forget who it was his head, um, right into Anthony Brown's hands. So, um, like he did try to give that game away. And I think the same could happen again on Sunday. They could be in an advantageous position and he turns the ball over, um, as good as he is, as much of a, he's a winner, right? Guy that got to a super bowl, um, where he obviously wasn't an elite quarterback at the time. I still don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think he does a lot of things well. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a winner. But at the same time, when you need him to not make a mistake, he has not been able to stay away from that this year, at least in the games they've lost. And again, he 
tried, they tried to give that game away to Dallas. So as much as I want to say Garoppolo can be the guy for San Francisco, I, I just, I can't, I can't get myself to believe in it unless we see an MVP type performance from him in one of these playoff games where he could, he, I, I, I think he has it in him. I think he has a 300 yard, no turnover game in him. It's just a matter of whether or not we'll see it. And I'm not going to say, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't get myself to believe that, uh, that he's going to on Sunday or on Saturday night. Yeah. And he famously beat the Packers in Lambeau. Yeah, well, Raheem Mostert running 250 fucking yards. By throwing, what, like 12 times or something like that? He's going to have to do that. He's going to have to throw a whole lot more in this game to beat the beat the Packers this time around. Uh, let's move on. Two more games to talk about, and then we'll say goodbye. Rams at Bucks. A very exciting game, a game I am pumped for. Obviously, Bill's Chiefs, which we're going to get to in a second. Probably the marquee matchup of the week, but we really have a bunch of good matchups here. Rams at Bucks is exciting to me. The Bucs, I thought, were vulnerable last week. I was clearly incredibly wrong on that front. But the Rams are a real team. The Eagles clearly were not, as they did not have many signature wins throughout the season. Rams played really well. They had their gadget play with the Odell throw. They had their moments where Stafford looked good. The defense clearly played well. Now it's time. You know, I said before that they had pressure on them for Stafford to win a game, for McVay to win a game here, and go further than he did with with Jared Goff, right? Now they're right there. They're on the brink. They're on the precipice of making a conference championship and possibly a Super Bowl. But standing in the way is Tom Brady, the GOAT. A guy who, with weapons or without weapons, puts points on the board, moves the ball, doesn't really make mistakes, and now we have a three-point spread. Opened up at one and a half. Now it's minus three at the Bucks. Pat, I'm leaning Rams. I'm telling you that right now. And I don't know if it's part because I am a guy who roots for the Rams, who roots for Stafford. And I, it could be that, but I'm leaning Rams here because firepower-wise, the Rams have more of it right now. I love that Cam Akers is back and looking better and better each week. He is a huge upgrade over Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson. Huge, cannot be expressed enough. Think he can play a big role here. But boy, is it tough to really, really sit here and say, yeah, the Bucs are going to lose. Yeah, Tom Brady's going to lose when they've been dominant and they are the defending Super Bowl champs. So my lean's Rams, but I don't know how confident I am right now. I'm leaning Tampa Bay. Um, I think that first game, you know, they beat them 34-24. They went 10 for 15 on third down, the Rams did. I think you see a regression to the mean. Um, especially with how great this Tampa Bay defense is, how they're they've gotten all their weapons back, right? Like they've got Levante David, they've got JPP, they've got Shaq Barrett, they've got Devin White. That linebacking crew is unbelievable. And then the front three, of course, Golston Vea and Dominican Sue, Cam Akers and whoever's running the ball for LA, they're not gonna have as much success as they did running the ball in that first game. And, you know, they ran, the, they only ran the ball 24 times for 76 yards. So a lot of it was Stafford and a lot of it was third down conversions, um, to, to Cooper cup. And I believe at the time they still had Deshaun Jackson, right? Yeah. Deshaun Jackson had three catches for 120 yards in that game, um, and a touchdown. So, you know, again, you you basically substitute him for Odell Beckham. I think Odell Beckham is still much more valuable than Deshaun Jackson at this point. So they're, they're probably still in a better, better spot. Um, you know, obviously no Robert Woods, but 
I just I don't think they're going to be as successful. 10 to 15 on third down. I don't think you see that happen again. I'm looking also, too. There were seven penalties against Tampa Bay in that game. Only once was L.A. penalized. I don't see that happening in what's going to be a physical, fierce, intense game. I don't think you see just one penalty against the Rams either. So um, I, I just – where you said you don't know how you can go against Tom Brady. I don't know how I can go against Tom Brady at home, second time playing a team this year. Um, I think the Bucks are going to win. Mm. Aaron Donald's going to mess around, get tossed out of one of these games, man. His guy's on psycho mode uh, in this last game. He, yeah, he was, and you you rarely <laughs> see that out of him. He's usually pretty calm and composed, uh, you know, like when the whistle blows. That was that was something else. Yeah, ah, man, it's it's so tough. And, and like, what about on the coaching front here? I know it's tough to even talk about the coaching front when Tom Brady is basically the coach on the field for the offense here. But McVay, Arians, does does that matter to you at all? Because I know Arians is is kind of a mixed bag for a lot of people here. Some people say great. Some people say crap. I don't really know what's true. McVay, a lot of people say great. Some people say overrated. Is there, is there anything in the coaching matchup that, that makes you feel differently? I think it's I think it's not even more so B.A. versus McVay. I think it's Todd Bowles versus McVay. And Todd Bowles, how he's going to scheme this defense and the blitzes he's going to bring. And he's going to try to have Matt Stafford under pressure all night long or all day long. And, um, you know, that's going to be up to McVay to either maybe have Akers or Michelle, you know, use them as pass blockers in some places and some schemes and just try to run those short crossing routes with Coop, with Cup and and uh, Higby and Beckham and see if you can get Matt Stafford getting the ball out of his hand quick to get some rhythm going. Because, again, Tampa Bay is going to bring pressure. They always do. Bulls is not going to re- he's not going to shy up on the blitz. So he's going to try to get Stafford under pressure and force him to throw have those uh, another two interception, three interception game that we've seen Stafford be capable of this very late in the season. Uh so that's going to be the most important thing. I don't think it's anything about Bruce Arians versus McVay, more so it's going to be how McVay can scheme around and game plan around Todd Bowles' blitz happy defense and if the Tampa Bay Bucks pass rush can get home because if they can get home, Stafford's not going to look good. And then you're going to hear all the questions again. Oh, oh Stafford, oh, Stafford for golf. Oh, my God. Exactly. <laughs> I can already see it now. If Stafford throws two picks and the Bucks win, it's going to yeah. be, oh, is Stafford the quarterback of the future yeah. for the Rams? After the guy just threw for 45 fucking 100 yards this year and 45 touchdowns. Yeah, I, I hear it already. I hear it. Goff could have done that. Goff could have thrown that pick. <laughs> but I can picture I'm it as well. You. I can picture the Bucks defense getting after him, making him uncomfortable, and him trying to be a hero trying to not throw it away or whatever it may be and pick six and throwing a bad pick near the end zone, right? Those things are very, very possible. Ah, uh, man, that's, that's tough. I'm leaning around still. I'm probably going to end up going there. We'll, we'll see what happens as we get closer. And now we got one more game, Pat, the marquee game of the weekend, the bills chiefs matchup that everybody loves. Everybody looks forward to because it's Mahomes and Josh Allen, two of the best quarterbacks we got in this game. Clearly the two best young quarterbacks in the game. I know where you're leaning. You kind of showed your hand a little bit before when we were talking about the Bills. I'm dying on the hill of Patrick Mahomes. I'm dying on the hill, and I'll wear that one proudly on the chin if they lose and don't cover because, man, we've been fooled. I won't get fooled again. People thought this (laughs) team was down and out. People thought this team had no juice this year. People thought this defense was abysmal, and all they did after a terrible start was still have the two seed in the AFC almost play for a one seed in the week 18 of the season. And this offense has been putting up numbers. The defense has been dialing it up. I am dying on the hill of the chiefs and Mahomes and Spagnola 
and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and whoever the hell else they need to get the ball to to get in the end zone because they do whatever they want on occasion. I feel like you may disagree because the Bills are freaking awesome and there's no really there's no real wrong choice here as we sit here on uh, Tuesday night. Game opened at minus two. The game's still at minus two. The over-under went from 52.5 to 55, so people are expecting points as we should because it's going to be hella electric and I'm so excited, but I'm ready to die with the Chiefs. Pat, how you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm one of us is going to die on our hill here on this weekend. Um, you know, as a guy that holds a Bills Super Bowl ticket, I think they've been good enough all year long, even when they went in their uh, little mini swoon. I just think their defense is too good. I think their defense is going to end up being the equalizer in this game here. Um, you know, whether that is stopping the run and forcing Mahomes to drop back and throw every single time, which you think Kansas City would be okay with, but no, they've been much more of a balanced offense here the last couple of weeks. So I think if Buffalo can stop the run first and foremost, and then you basically, you know, you know Mahomes is dropping back every time because they can only run for two, three yards at a time. And, you know, who knows if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to play. So if they're only relying on, you know, I know Jarek McKinnon had a good game, but, you know, you don't want to be relying on Jarek McKinnon and Daryl Williams, Derek Gore against the best teams in the league. You want to have your top guns. And if Clyde Edwards-Alaire can't go or if, he, if he's not 100%, that makes Kansas City more one-dimensional. And again, I think Buffalo's got the guys. I think they've got the guys to cover Byron Pringle and Nicole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. You know, and and you and then you basically just play that defense where teams have done this year, where they're not allowing Tyreek Hill to get forty yards down the field and and beat them. So I think I just I think Buffalo's going to come with a with a tremendous game plan. And I think again, the difference is their defense stopping Kansas City getting stops when they need to, rather than Kansas City's defense, which again. Spags has completely turned them around. But that being said, we know where the weakness, the weakness lies. That's in the secondary. That's over the top. Attacking Juan Thornhill and Daniel Sorensen and Legereus Sneed, they have weaknesses, and they're vulnerable. And I expect Josh Allen to exploit them. That's going to be so fun. It's going to be so fun. Wait. I can't That's going to be some freaking game, man. I'll tell you, I am amped for – basically every game this weekend and I'm hoping for some good ones. Cause we hardly saw any last week. It is one of those tough ones. Now my question for you on the Jared McKinnon front, because this is a guy who has always been talented, always been fast and, you know, relatively powerful for a little guy, or at least a guy who's not afraid to get dirty, which has led him to injuries his entire career. He's not been a very healthy player. He had some time in Minnesota where he was good. And then San Francisco, every time he was good, he was hurt again. Right. Maybe a strategy by Kansas City, just not really using him much until the end of the season. Like, hey, you know, this guy could be a weapon for us one day, and we're not going to do it too early. We're not blowing our load on Jarek McKinnon. We're going to save him for the right opportunity. And he, more so than Daryl Williams, is explosive. He, more so than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, is uh, a, a better like pass catcher out of the backfield. Not that Hilaire's bad at that. He's actually pretty decent at it. He puts a dynamic on this offense that they kind of been missing out on over the course of the season. And... He was scary good. He was really, really good between the tackles, running the ball, and catching the ball out of the backfield last week. I don't know. I think he might be the secret weapon for this team that they've been not putting out there too early in this year because they needed him healthy now. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, he had 142 yards of scrimmage and a touchdown um, against the Steelers. Uh, he touched the ball 18 times. So you're you're not wrong at all in, th- in thinking that. Um, I just, I think that's more so maybe a, a one game outlier. Then I don't think we're going to see that again from him. 
I, I, again, nothing, nothing, nothing to say that I could be wrong on that. I right. definitely could. I just think I just I don't think we see 140 plus yards scrimmage yards from Jarek McKinnon on back to back weeks, especially against a defense uh, with the caliber of the Buffalo Bills. The only thing I'm really upset about, Pat, is that we won't have Chris Collinsworth on this game, so he could hype up Daniel Sorensen right before he gets torched. Exactly. Although Soren, you know, I mean, again, Sorensen had what he had like two like tipped passes fall right into his arms for his interceptions this year, and uh, you know. Well, I think it was both on probably Sunday night games because I know what Collinsworth had was on one of them, and he's like hiding, and he's you know hyping them up after that. But yeah, you hey, you could be right, man. You might want to make a tweet about that. How you think Jarek McKinnon's going to be the secret weapon here if Kansas City makes a run to the Super Bowl? Secret weapon. Maybe I'll have to just slice up this episode and put make some posts, uh, which I haven't done much in the past couple weeks. But busy times out here. Busy times. Uh, last words, Pat. Because we're gonna say goodbye. We have uh, CBS on Bengals Titans, Buck and Aikman on Niners Packers. I assume we're going to have uh, Nance Romo for Bills Chiefs, which is good. And then we'll have, I think, Tariko and Collinsworth, perhaps. I don't know, Michaels and Collinsworth. That's a little bit of a shady thing there for NBC with who's going to be uh, the front man. I think Tariko crushed it, even though Drew Brees was not very good uh, as a color guy. Yeah, I think because you have you have Al you have Al and Chris doing the Super Bowl this year. It's on NBC, so yeah, be Al and Chris then, right? Yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to get their licks here on Sunday for Rams Bucks. I can't wait to hear Bird Birdman Iron Eagle. He'll have Bengals Titans, so we'll hopefully hear some electric. We'll hopefully hear some electric Derrick Henry and Joe Burrow calls from Iron Eagle. Any any thoughts though on the on the broadcast from last week? I, I for some reason I feel like I heard more chatter about the broadcasters this week, uh, and you and I obviously nerd out about that stuff. Any any thoughts on the broadcasters from last week or the playoffs in general? Oh well, yeah, you had the Romo and Aikman thing, right? Aikman saying, "Oh, like how fun would it be to call that game?" Like basically like yes. throwing shots at Tony and and Nance. Look, I I think the more and more that I've listened to Tony and Jim, um. Tony just doesn't know when to shut the fuck up at times. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I love him. I mean, yeah. but it's just too much at times. And I'm a broadcaster. And I, that's kind of like I'm tiptoeing the line of what I should and should not say. But, like, I, I got to be honest. There's times where he's great and his, his pre-snap um, commentary is fantastic. He usually says exactly what the hell is going to happen. He's brilliant in that because he's seen it happen. And he knows how to detect it right away. It's the in-between. It's like in the little moments too, when there's like the dead ball and we had plenty of it for Dallas and San Francisco. We're like, we're in between like a review or a measurement. And he just like, he just won't stop talking. Like as if he's like on the edge of the scene, he goes, Jim. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you know, and, and Jim, oh, maybe they're, oh, oh. it's like, dude, just shut up and just wait 10 seconds. Yeah, man. There's, there's, there's my take on that. I, I kind of agree, and I liked Romo a lot early, and I still like him a lot, but there's times where I'm like, bruh, I can't believe Nance isn't like, all right, all right, Tony, calm it down here, friend, okay? Like, just calm down. It's okay. you know. And Tony, like, talks in circles, and all of a sudden, like, he's contradicting himself, or he's saying that the call is going to be this, and then it ends up being that. He's like, oh, but I'm also thinking that. And it's like, bro, one thought at a time, and we're going to be okay. All right? Like, if you combine Drew Brees' nothingness and Tony Romo's too muchness, Perfect, perfect, perfect color commentary guy. And I got to be honest, I love salty Troy Aikman. I mean, he's always been decent. He's always been solid, pretty good as a color guy. Now that he's just letting it fly, oh, I freaking love it. He is yeah. criticizing quarterbacks like he's never done before. 
and throwing the shade to the execs. Honestly, you know who he's low-key throwing shades at is the Fox execs because CBS outbid Fox for that Cowboys game. That's how CBS got that game. Oh, so, is that so? Granted, is maybe he's throwing the punch for the Fox execs saying, hey, this you know the CBS people overbid for this game. That's supposed to be our game. We always have the Cowboys. Like, what the hell? He also might be throwing a touch of shade saying, you're going to let CBS outbid us for the Cowboys? We're Fox. We are the Cowboys. The Cowboys are Fox. What are we doing here? Fucking Aikman, baby. What are we doing? Yeah, that's that's a good that. point. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I was actually in the car, when, but I had like my NFL app hooked to my Bluetooth. So I was listening to the to the TV broadcast because I wasn't in uh, the New York zone yet. I couldn't do it on Westwood One. And I heard that, and then I hear Joe Buck go, oh, whoa, like get all a little jazzed up. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I love all this. Yeah, they need more of that because that you know, in terms of just broadcast mechanics and stuff, Bucks Bucks one of the best. Um, he's been doing all the you know Super Bowl, World Series, the top games for as long as twenty years now. Um, and yeah, Aikman kind of always lacked a little bit of spiciness, but if he's bringing that every week, if he's taking shots at quarterbacks and and broadcast executives and company executives, oh yeah, give me more of them. Um, because yeah, and you got to, you, I, I think, you know, Nance is used to doing college basketball with Raff with Bill Raftery. So he's used to getting like elbowed in the ribs to try to get, because Raftery is always trying to talk over him every time he's about to finish his call. So I guess he's used to that. So he kind of lets, you know, Romo fly a little bit off the coop. Um, plus it's kind of also hard to not let the guy who they're paying, what, $18 million do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Nance and Romo should uh, sit down and have a little conversation here on uh, Tony, just kind of toning it down a little bit on some of the in-between plays because you can kind of let the game and the refs and just the scenery do the talking a little bit and do some storytelling too, right? Like we don't always have to be locked in, laser focused on the ball measuring while they're bringing the chains out. And Tony's like wondering like for all 45 seconds that they're bringing the chains out of whether or not it's going to be a first down, whether, you know, where you can go into it, like you can hit on a quick 20 second story, or you can tell a story in between some dead airtime where it's like, I don't know. It just feels like it's always like attention span of a goldfish with Tony. sometimes. Yeah. And you know, I know a friend of the show and former co-host last year, uh, Rocco Del Puri still waiting for the Pete and Pat play by play color combo at some point in time, whether it be, in the high school ranks or, or above uh, it's a little little low small potatoes for pat boyle but uh you know the pete and pat combo might have to come back one day for a little play-by-play color combo dude absolutely i have to do it i don't know when where who what there, how there is a feral maybe we do uh maybe we do some liu stuff i gotta get you get you hooked up with liu with the sharks i'll send over a little a little real action we'll see what happens I'll check the schedule. We'll see. We might honestly, we might have to get that in motion here in the next like 45 days. Oh, that'd be electric. Keep it posted. Keep it posted. All right, though, Pat, hour 20 strong, one o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Now, just another day in the office for you and I. That's how we do it on Subway Sports Talk. We don't stop. We never said this was going to be a short one. Hopefully, you knew it wasn't going to be a short one. Hopefully, you didn't want a short one. I want to hear from the people who stay for an hour and 20 every week with me and Pat. Because those are the real ones. They love the banter. They love the talk, the, the breakdowns, the analysis, the jokes, the stupid stuff. That's what we love to do. Hopefully you love listening to it. Pat, any last words before we say goodbye? No, that's it, man. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for I'm ready for picks coming up this weekend. Are we doing because you all of a sudden you fucking shot your load on me. You gave me six picks. I was like, oh, I gotta match that. I only ended up putting in four. What are we looking at here for this weekend? It worked out. We stayed even with 10. I don't know. We have four games like 
the way you and I ripped some teasers here and there, we technically could still do five. I say let's do four, right? We'll do four. I'm I'm down to do, yeah. Well, yeah, because I, I don't know if I, I got to see if I'm going to do. I, I doubt I'm doing four same game teasers. So I probably might end up doing three picks on the games themselves, maybe one player prop. I don't know. I could definitely throw together five for you. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Oh, okay. Only people who care a ton are you and I. So let's let's do whatever the hell we want, right? And yeah. now I, I believe you are uh, 41 and 51, if I'm not mistaken. That's that's up there, baby. We're getting to, we're getting to 500. We're getting there. We're close. Sounds, I need, I need to get some wins. That sounds a little high. Well, what did I go week 18? Three and two, four and th- four and one. I think I, was, I think I was three and two. Oh, I don't know. Uh, well, I had. Let me let me go through this really quickly. And if you're making it this far, then you're really dedicated. I know week eighteen, I had Gronkowski over because of that incentive, which everybody was like the most publicly played prop ever, and it hit. I had the San Francisco Vegas parlay that hit. Tennessee minus five and a half in Miami, plus fourteen that hit. I, I have Baltimore, a, I lost on Baltimore and I lost on Indy. So yeah, I went three and two. So I was 38 and 52 and then I just went three and one. So yeah, 41 and 53. There we go. There we go. Nine games under. No, t- 11 math. 12. Shit. 12. <laughs> I got to go to bed. Patton Island education. <laughs> that's that's ECNJ education. Communications majors over here doing math. That's, that's what you want to hear. All right. Hour 25. That's enough. Pat Boyle, Pete Kennedy, Subway Sports Talk. Enjoy football this weekend. We'll enjoy it more than we did last weekend. Let's hopefully we'll have some damn good games. All right, y'all. Cheers.